What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Not Rocket Science episode 28. How are you guys doing? I am chilling here in New York City, and as I was about to record this podcast, Brooklyn, I should say, my across-the-hall neighbor who likes to throw himself little parties with ladies of the night decides to blast the stereo, as he does almost every day, um, particularly when he's having one of his little parties going on. So if you guys hear a little like thumping sound or some lady singing in the background, it is my neighbor's stereo. Um, but can't really help anything about that. The walls in my apartment are a little on the thin side, I guess. Um, but maybe not really. I think, I think he just blasts it really loud. And, uh, yeah, I mean, whether I'm recording this or not, I gotta hear this stuff, so, uh, but luckily I don't hear him with his ladies, so, I'll take it. Um, also, someone's beeping cars outside right now, and you're, you're getting the full soundscape of living in a Brooklyn apartment right now. You got cars honking outside, you got music across the hall. There's another guy that likes to work on his motorcycle on weekends, so you might hear a motorcycle revving. I can only do so much. I can only do so much to block this stuff out. But anyways, we will carry on and move forward with this podcast, Ecast, Ecast. So what is happening? Lots been going on this week in the news. Um, big news week. Not really positive news either, unfortunately. Um, I'm just keeping on keeping on here. I mentioned last week I joined a gym, and I've so far somewhat kept to that schedule. Uh, I kind of slacked off a little bit yesterday. But in my defense, the weather outside was really awful. It was basically like a, a mini nor'easter here in New York. It was windy, it was wet, it was rainy, and uh, I was just not motivated to get out of my bed. So I did not until the nighttime, and I went to a little Halloween get-together. Yeah, it was a little low-key, a little low-key get-together kind of thing, nothing too crazy. I didn't go to a big party or anything. My costume was a panda, in case you were wondering. I have a panda suit. My girlfriend gave me a panda suit onesie thing a long time ago. It was kind of like a joke slash... She was thinking maybe like pajama thing or something. Um, I never, I've never. i worn it in the apartment when I've been cold, but that's about it. And I've worn it like three times maybe in two years-ish. Um, but I broke it out last night. It was my costume. And my girlfriend went as a zookeeper, so we went as a zookeeper and a panda. 
That kit. It's that kit. But it was cool. Put it together real quick last minute. She went to the dollar store, got a shirt, went to the pharmacy and got a hat that looks a little bit zookeeper-ish. I don't know. It worked. It was fun. Uh, I really like Halloween. I, I just don't like going to big Halloween parties just because, I don't know, something's weird about it. Everyone's just coming up to you like, what's your costume? And then there's like pressure. To have a costume that's cool enough and not be lame, but also you don't want to be, like, too into your costume either. Or maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being weird about it. But I've never really had the time to really prepare a costume or, I guess, the dedication to really vet through a costume, you know, like, weeks before, get all the stuff on Amazon or wherever, and, like, make it. I'm always scrambling last minute to find something. I even have good ideas and I never follow through on any of them because it's just something that kind of creeps up to creeps up on you because um you know Halloween still hasn't happened yet. It happens I think Wednesday. But it was one of those deals where it's on a Wednesday, so you got to do the weekend before and then the weekend which counts when you're an adult kind of creeps up on you faster than you're expecting it and then you don't have a costume so i like halloween but i liked it i think a lot more when i was a kid and i'd actually do the thing on the actual day you trick-or-treat on Halloween. it doesn't matter what day of the week it is you trick-or-treat trick-or-treat on halloween and that's the day and you have all the time leading up to it to get your thing ready so you can do your thing that day so doll gets too crazy. I don't know. It sneaks up on you. Not enough time. But it is what it is. I had fun last night. <sighs> anyway, what else? What else? What else? Oh, my life hasn't been ruined so far by Red Dead Redemption 2, like I themed last podcast around because um I haven't really had time. I just haven't really had time to really dig into it yet. So I guess that's a positive I mean, I'm not letting video games ruin my life, which I I think is a unanimously good thing, I would say, right? Um, But, you know, my day will come where I do throw it all away. (laughs) Um, But for the meantime, I got too much stuff going on between trying to get all fit and, uh, you know, going to work every day because I'm not a rich-ass podcaster and then doing this show. Not enough time, man. Not enough time of the day. I don't know. We'll see. But speaking of fitness goals, I was so good all week. And then last night at this Halloween thing, I kind of threw it all down the drain. And there was these coconut chocolate brownies that were so freaking good. And I had like six of them. But they were tiny. They weren't like full-size brownies. They were like the little circle ones. So when I say six, I mean six like little kind of two biters, not a full blown brownie. So I don't feel as bad, but yeah, wasn't great. I had French fries too. Not good, not good, not good, not good, not good. But otherwise this week, I think I did pretty well. Today, I have not eaten a damn thing. I'm trying to do intermittent fasting on weekends, 16 hours of no eating, um, 
I did it yesterday, but didn't really work out so well because I ate like shit when I could eat. Uh, today, I've done it so far. I think I have an hour and 45 minutes to go before I hit 16 hours without eating. And I'm going to hit the gym after this, so I'll probably hit it most likely. But I don't know. I don't know if I want to keep doing this or not. It just feels kind of like I'm waiting for a deadline for no reason. But uh, I don't really need to eat all day because I wake up late on weekends and I just don't really think about it until I really start getting hungry. So I'll probably hit it today, but I don't think I could do this during the week. So it's just going to be a weekend activity for now. And tonight we're trying to do some chicken parm with zoodles. So I'm not going full-blown keto or anything, but I'm trying to keep it light. Trying to get that 1,400 to 1,700 calories per day kind of range. That's what I'm going for right now. I think I've hit it most days, so we'll see, but maybe not. I'm roughly tracking carbs, roughly, not full-blown. I'm counting them, but I'm kind of counting them in my head. Like, I'm reading the nutritional packaging on pretty much everything I eat and then counting them in my head and then ballpark estimating, which is not the way to do it, but fuck it, that's how I'm doing it. Anyway, enough about me and what I've been up to. What has the world been up to? Because I don't matter. The world matters. So in the world of technology and culture and yada, 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 whole bunch of stuff went down but um the first one i want to talk about is this reoccurring theme of music providers streaming service providers trying to appear like they give a damn about artists it's been a constant theme when it comes to Spotify and their uh, ability to ban artists on a whim based on what they feel like. Um, and, that, and then also the way they pay their artists and big artists like Taylor Swift taking their music off because they realize it's a ripoff. And now the newest one is SoundCloud Premiere. SoundCloud Premiere. Where do we get started with Sound Cloud Premiere? So, Soundcloud Premiere is Soundcloud's new monetization platform for artists so they can get paid. You know what I mean? But the problem is, media companies got hold of the contract for their new premiere program and there's all kinds of fuckery going on in that contract all kinds all different flavors it's like a baskin robbins of fuckery up in that contract at least 31 flavors so the main thing about the contract that is the most ridiculous is how in the contract they basically say if you sign on to this program you can never sue us even if you had something where SoundCloud was 
exploiting your music in the past, which they have done and have a history of doing, and you want to like sue them for damages, if you sign on to their premiere program, you cannot do it. So yeah, what they call it is a covenant not to sue which is basically a broad release of all claims against the company and mandatory arbitration clause, according to article I read on The Verge. So basically that means artists sign, who sign the agreement um, can never sue SoundCloud or, quote, even assist in someone else's lawsuit against SoundCloud and to take any disputes to arbitration instead of court. Um, that's basically the gist of it. So what that means is you just can never recover royalties if you feel that SoundCloud owes you them. And the agreement also says that artists are, quote, forever discharge us and our related parties from all claims, including any and all actual or alleged acts of copyright infringement. Like, that is some... Fuckery, man. Just to say they forever discharge us. Basically, they're admitting that they do infringe on copyright of artists from time to time. Just by having that clause in there. It's so ridiculous. And not only that, but on top of that, it also gives SoundCloud full flexibility in a different in a different part of the contract. Full flexibility on payment dates and the ability to just do whatever they want with the program in terms of when they pay artists, to what extent, and whether they terminate the program or not, you're signing away to agree to SoundCloud just doing whatever they want on a whim, basically, when it comes to this program. And you can never sue them for it. So, like, this is another example of these platforms saying, oh, we're for the artists, we're for the creators, the creators, this is for the creators, like that stupid Casey Neistat Sam Stunt commercial, we're for the creators, let's create, let's fucking do things, do something, do anything, be creator, let's be creative, and then they hit you with this bullshit when you get to the nitty gritty details, and to me, what that means is, Two things. One, they don't really give a shit, and they're doing this all because somebody's telling them they have to as a a PC move. B, to me this is just a bigger problem. Like, artists getting abused in this sense. It's not even artists. It's anyone who does anything professionally that's in a creative field. The, like, quote-unquote business people tend to look at creative types as commodities even when they say they don't even when they feel they don't subconsciously because of conditioning decades after decades and how industries in general have always viewed creatives for decades and decades people who are in creative fields are always just looked at as commodities and they're looked at as disposable and it's super frustrating so Another example of this kind of thing is in startup culture where people need designers. People need designers for graphics, and you can go on Fiverr or whatever and get that. You're not going to get top-notch visual design doing that path, but 
you know, if that's what you can pay for, that's what you can pay for in the startup world. You know, sometimes it is what it is and you got to go cheap with that. But you need somebody to design the product for you, right? If you're a tech company, you need, if you're a SoundCloud, let's say, as a startup, you need someone to design the interface. You need someone to understand what decisions need to be made in order to figure out what that interface design consists of. You need to know your customers and your future users and know how to research in ways that make the eventual UI a worthwhile product to people so you get user acquisition the way you want to, right? All of that stuff goes well beyond just design, but all of that stuff is looked at as a skill set that's disposable because at the end of the day all you really care about is them delivering that final product that deliverable because there's a creative based deliverables attached to the role it makes people just want to hit dates because of pressure from higher ups whether it's their boss whether it's investors whether it's whoever and they just at the end of the day want that deliverable on time and then on the startup level, if you work, if you grind, you bust your ass, you eventually provide that deliverable, then what's the next step? Iteration, right? And making improvements, making fixes, and you might do that for a couple of rounds. But there's going to be a point when whoever that business owner is, if they are strapped for cash and they got to make cuts and they have their platform, they have their design, they have their specs that they can give developers to build, they're going to look at that designer as a commodity and as a employee that is now dispensable. This has happened time and time again. And yeah, sure, you're really forward-thinking companies that really take design thinking into their DNA. They embrace that role more and they embrace the research side and they will, you know, allow constant iteration on their product constant better understanding of users or or insights from users through research you know they'll do all of that but those companies and those types of leaders in the tech world at the startup level especially are few and far between and that's just another example of this kind of thing but it's not as bad because that's just business decisions and they're making in their estimation the best business decisions possible so i understand it but the soundcloud thing on the other end when it comes to trying to lend a hand or an olive branch to creators you're always just gonna fuck them in the end they are just fucking the creators over again and disguising it as a monetization platform because it sounds great right let's pay the artists monetization is something that independent producers have been asking for for a long time so it sounds perfect on the surface you know i see their little twitter ads for this thing but of course they're gonna get some dirty crook lawyers and underwriters to create a contract that is screwy which is why i never trust these things i never trust these things i never trust a conglomerate company particularly one like soundcloud that has been strapped for cash for a while and has been kind of struggling to pay artists the way they should be paid. 
and the way they should be paid is almost all of their revenue because the only reason why SoundCloud is relevant, the only reason is because emerging DJs at the time made bootleg remixes and got big off of them because people, they leaked them on SoundCloud, on, onto the blogs and things like that, and everybody went to SoundCloud to hear these things. But now SoundCloud has been turned into this corporate entity that does this whole copyright thing. I mean, to their credit, they've partnered with Dubset to more easily allow artists to get copyrights for remixes, but that's only going to go so far. And, I mean, it's the move they kind of have to make these these days uh, in the state that it's in, but... All I wish is that whoever their CEO is, uh, what's his name? They have a new CEO. Carrie, uh, Carrie Trainer. I just wish that Carrie Trainer would come out and be like, you know what? We'll admit it. The only reason why we're relevant is because of the artists and because of the bootleg remixes that made us popular five, six, seven years ago. And you know what? Now we're a big corporation. We're in the corporate world. We cannot keep allowing these beat bootleg remixes, but we're going to try to make it work for you guys and try to get it so you guys can still make remixes the way you want to when you have that inspiration. Will it be perfect? No. Will every remix be able to be played and you know stay on your profile? No. But we're going to try our best because we understand that's what made us big in the first place. Like If they just made a statement that said that, I think they would get so much respect back within the DJing and producing production community. And then modified the contract to this thing to let artists sue them again. If they just did that, even just the statement alone, they would gain respect, and then they took out that stupid, stupid clause in the contract about suing. Um, I think they would be in a decent place with people as far as brand sentiment goes, but when they keep doing this sneaky shit that blogs are going to pick up on, by the way, it's not like you're going to be hiding this forever, because the thing is that they're assuming DJs are still stupid, and no one's going to read this stuff. Like, you have to be making that assumption to come up with something this ridiculous. So, I don't know. If they just made that statement and they didn't do this sneaky shit, I think they would be in a good place. But they're just shooting themselves in the foot again with these dumb contracts for these programs that aren't going to work. Which is why I think SoundCloud's days are numbered. But that's just me. That is just me. I don't know. I'm just a guy recording a mic in his closet right now. Trying to soundproof things as best as he can. But uh, it is what it is, right? I guess that's corporate America for you or corporate Germany because SoundCloud, I'm pretty sure, started in Berlin, Germany or at least some city in Germany. Um, but anyway, that's the first thing that when I was <clears throat> reading tech news this week really stood out to me as something stupid and something that... Uh, should really get put on blast because Spotify has a beta program for a similar type of thing, but they don't have that clause about suing, right? And Spotify has done all kinds of shady shit. I mean, really on a high-profile level as far as how they pay their artists, but they don't even have this stupid countersuit clause in the way YouTube does 
So SoundCloud's taking the YouTube model and applying it. But the thing to me is, like, there should be a better YouTube right now. If someone just made a better YouTube, you wouldn't, like, the YouTube's monopoly is a farce. The only reason why YouTube's a monopoly is because they were the first to market and no one's come out with something better. Because Vimeo on the community side flops and uh, everything else on the video quality side flops and the community side. So there just is no, they're going to get taken over. I mean, Twitch is interesting. It's a little different, but Twitch is something that maybe could replace YouTube someday. I don't know. But that's another one that's frustrating, YouTube, the way they don't pay their artists well enough pretty absurd and there's nothing about youtube that can't be done better by somebody else other than the amount of users they have they have all the users because they're first to market but i think that'll change one day and i think that day will be one day soon but we shall see anyway speaking of I guess, somewhat social media-y types of platforms. The other story that really caught my attention, uh, unfortunately, is what's going on with Gab right now. Um, And I say unfortunately, not so much what's happening with Gab, but the reason why things are happening with Gab. Uh, For those of you who do not know what Gab is, I'm going to go straight to the Wikipedia so I can be for real. For real. Oh, there's a plane. There's a plane right above me. You guys hear that? That's a low-ass plane. Anyway, Gab is basically a... Basically what it is, is it's a far-right alternative to Twitter. Basically, some guys in Philly got sick of the liberal media and liberal monopoly on having your voice be heard because all them liberals in Silicon Valley keeping us down if we don't have our opinions aligned with the liberal elite. You know, basically, it's for Alex Jones types to be able to talk freely. Um, It is a far-right American social networking service, according to Wikipedia, created... As an alternative to Twitter, which promotes itself as supporting free speech. So that's their whole thing. It's like unfiltered free speech. It allows users to write messages of up to 300 characters called gabs. So it's just a Twitter ripoff. Um, and multimedia functionality. Gab has been described as a haven for neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and the alt-right. Gab describes itself as a social network that champions free speech, individual liberty, and free flow of information online. Um, Gab was created in 2016 as an alternative to the popular social network Twitter founder and CEO Andrew Torba cited the entirely left-leaning big social monopoly as part of the inspiration for Gab, which he created after reading reports that Facebook employees suppressed conservative articles, Torba said. In November, that the site's user base had expanded significantly following censorship controversies involving major social media companies, including permanent suspensions from Twitter and several other alt-right accounts. Anyway, you get the point. It's for conservatives to rant and rave about illegal immigration, Islam, blah, 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 you know, amongst themselves. 
they look at Twitter as a liberal echo chamber, so they want to make their own echo chamber, basically. That's all it is. But uh, the problem is, is right now we're having these events, like the unfortunate event over the weekend, where some crazy far-right moron shot up a synagogue in Pittsburgh, and then you had the bomb threat earlier this week to uh, Hillary Clinton and Obama and CNN and yada, yada, yada. So the thing is, is when you perpetuate this kind of behavior through your platform, you need to be held accountable on some level. Like twi- I get the argument that Twitter's left-leaning, and like what I talked about with SoundCloud and Spotify before, the way that they deplatform people like Alan's Jones, Alex Jones would not really work in a court of law per se. Meaning if Twitter was not a private company that could do whatever they wanted and they just did it and just took people off. I don't know if they'd be able to do that if they were if they went to court because it was a little bit arbitrary but at the same time Alex Jones was ranting and raving like a lunatic about the Sandy Hook stuff Um, so this is the same kind of thing it's like is free speech at the end of the day a good thing I think it is because of the slippery slope when it comes to censorship but I don't think it's this panacea because when you have 340 million people in one country, you're going to have crazy fucks that do things like this and rant and rave their thoughts on platforms like Gab before they do it. And that's bad too. That's just as bad as censorship, in my opinion. So to me, it's there's these philosophical debates about an unsolvable problem. But what I don't like is how people say stuff. So, like, Gab, for example, brands themselves as a social network that champions free speech, individual liberty, and free flow of information online. To me, they're saying that to be like, look at us. You know, they're trying to take this elitist stance like we are in line with the Constitution, damn it. But my whole thing is the Constitution was written at a time when... None of those powdered wig dudes, our forefathers, could foresee the complications of how they were writing the Constitution, which they probably knew that they wouldn't be able to tell the future, obviously, but they did the best they could at the time. And for the most part, they did a good job. But the problem is, is they're, they, they, what they probably never foresaw more so than just change was the lobbyist culture and organizations like the NRA paying lawyers, paying politicians for years to misinterpret the lines that are somewhat ambiguous in the Constitution to flip things like, you know, organized militia having the right to bear arms and blah, blah, blah into their favor to give, you know, people the right to own whatever gun they want on a certain level. Or, you know, if the NRI could totally get their way, let them have any gun they want. So they couldn't foresee that, and they can't foresee the issues with free speech and the First Amendment. And it's really an impossible fight. 
because free speech is great, but you know, promoting hate speech that leads to killings in synagogues isn't so great. And you have too many damn people. And it's been my thing forever. I'm done with the United States as a concept. I don't think it works. I really think there should be regional countries that are loosely connected together somehow. Or if you can't do that, at the very least, give state rights way more power than federal rights. Um, And I think that's something that conservatives and Democrats would both agree with. I mean, conservatives have been saying that for years. And I think it might be happening. I'm starting to see, you know, I've talked about it in the last podcast. See these little articles here and there about state currency floating up again, which I never heard growing up. Um, And all kinds of things. I just don't think... United States as a 340 million plus country is scalable anymore to the point where we can make decisions correctly on anything. But anyway, back to Gab. Um, What basically happened is the guy that shot up the synagogue in Pittsburgh had a Gab profile and was supposedly ranting and raving about this stuff for a long time or at least a certain amount of time before he did it and now what's happening with gab is gab as a platform is being essentially deplatformed in a way gab was already not allowed on uh, the ios app store or google play store due to hate speech um you know it violates their policies But uh, recently, PayPal came out and basically took their services off of their platform. And Gab was arguing, you know, just because PayPal decided to, you know, pull out of our platform, basically. Uh, And then to just recently, I think today or yesterday, um, Stripe, which is another payment platform also pulled out and then more importantly than either of those joint which is a cloud hosting services company um, basically pulled out of hosting gab's cloud services so that's the real bad one because now they can't like work as a site anymore um so gab's been on twitter saying how they you know are going to be down for weeks now because of this, but we'll never stop fighting for free speech, blah, 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 which is funny because it's on Twitter. Um, And basically they're going to be forced to shut down without being forced to shut down just because no one's going to want to host their platform on their servers anymore. But what this does is open the debate of who really should have power to do what. These are all private companies, so they can do whatever they want, and they pulled out. But it's not like Gab themselves did anything wrong. It was their users promoting hate speech. But what Gab did do wrong was that they uh, they basically say that they don't promote hate speech at all, and they think it's ridiculous that statements made led to these acts of terrorism, but when you look at the profiles of these people that do these acts, you know, these are really kind of like lost people that feel like they're being ignored. And these terrible acts are responses to that feeling. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, well, the John Lennon's killer who wanted to be famous or something, you know, they just feel that 
they are being ignored by society so they go on these rants and then it leads to violence so yes were the gap posts directly what led to those violent acts no but when you allow free speech like that and it's dangerous speech and you're not doing your due diligence as a service to you know stop the flowing of hate speech and then it leads to that kind of thing you can't get mad when no one wants to work with you you know what I mean? Like, you can't... I get the freedom of speech, but you gotta you gotta hone in on people talking nonsense and craziness and potentially dangerous stuff. And Gab failed to do that, and now they're paying the price. So if you want to, you know, flirt with having these kinds of dangerous products that you're saying are in line with the Constitution, but the Constitution didn't foresee this type of thing even being an issue in the first place, um... You know, you got to pay the consequences because I highly doubt John Adams or George Washington's going to agree with your take on these things at the end of the day or Thomas Jefferson or Alexander Hamilton or any of those guys. Like, that's the bottom line when you talk about all this stuff. It's like, do you think Alexander Hamilton would be in your corner on this issue? And you can't prove that, and that's why this never holds in court or anything. But I'm just saying, like, to me, that's always what I think of when I hear these, like, constitutional-based issues of hate speech and freedom of speech and how private companies have the right to just kind of profile something as hate speech as they see fit and then deplatform you from their service. Like, to me, there's just a clear lack of common sense and i just think people need to start wearing you know those there's there was those what would jesus do shirts they need like a what would alexander hamilton do or what would thomas jefferson do because to be honest the free speech at the end of the day for 340 million people free speech on a service on a platform that can be distributed across the country, across the world. When you have 340 plus million people living in one state, and by state I mean nation, not like United States, that are civically different, culturally different, climate different, you know, everything different, you're going to have bad apples. It's going to happen over and over again. And you can say, hey, the liberal left is doing this, that, and the other. This is a solution for the far right. But the problem is, is that you still got to monitor those bad apples. So you can have healthy debate. If your platform was a bunch of Ben Shapiro's, fine. That's perfectly fine. But it's not going to be fine. Because the problem is, conservative presidential candidates prey on the kinds of people that are going to do this shit when you promote this we're going to build a wall blah 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 you're tapping into the emotional response of people who feel you know ignored in society and they're mad that an illegal immigrant can get their jobs that they're not going to get anyway because they don't have the fucking willpower to get these jobs but what you're doing is you're trying to become buddies with this kind of person. And you know what? The vast majority of Trump supporters or whoever 
they're perfectly fine people. But this underbelly of alt-right loserdom is going to rear its ugly head when you give them a platform like this. So you can do it. You know, I'm all for Gab existing if we want to look at the United States as a fair country in terms of opportunity. But Gab better do its due diligence way better than it's doing and shutting this shit down because free speech talking versus free speech on a platform that's hosted on cloud and is being distributed to anybody are two different things in my opinion. When the right to free speech was written, they just meant speech. They didn't foresee apps. They didn't foresee what technology can do. So to me, it's two different things. Free speech to me means verbal. But uh, that's just my opinion. And uh, I find this all interesting. Just more from a you know less personal opinion standpoint, but just like a case study on how a platform can be deplatformed. I just find it all kind of fascinating. But I mean, look, if you're Gab and you look at yourself objectively, like, do you really think a company like PayPal or Stripe is realistically going to work for you or work with you as a client? Like, really? Because when you get these things um, implemented into your platform, when you get like Stripe implemented, it's not like just a thing that you click and it works. You typically have to have calls with them. Um, you build relationships with them. Like I've worked at a company that had Stripe come on as our payment processor. And I know you know it took months and months of getting things right and building relationships. Do you think a company like Stripe wants to send their own employees to spend months and months building relationship with a company whose users shoot up synagogues just like really so like if i'm gab i think objectively they just have to think about it that way and figure out what they can do to absolve that but um anyway those are the two things i want to touch up on i gotta hit the gym and my foot's falling asleep because i'm sitting on the floor right now woo, 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 woo. but anyway i want to know your thoughts on this stuff so if you want to hit us up on twitter nrs underscore show your thoughts on this whole gab controversy or if you didn't know about it and you want to read into it there's a good article on the verge about it you can just i mean there's a million articles about it right now um it's a hot button issue and also if you want to talk about the soundcloud thing hit us up on twitter nrs underscore show instagram same thing nrs underscore show show us some love and uh yeah i gotta get my swole on <laughs> Gotta get my motherfucking swole on. But uh, I will be back. At least another episode every Monday. So next Monday we will get a fresh piping hot NRS show delivered to your podcast store of choice. Um, that's all I got, guys. Thanks for the love. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I definitely appreciate it to all nine of you listening to this thing. And I uh, hope you guys have a great week. Great, great, great week. Hopefully less terrible shit doesn't happen this week like it did last week. But anyway, that's all I got. I'm Sean. Until next time. Peace.